All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in. Episode 181 of the Real Life Podcast. I'm Tyler Remchuk. It's a skeleton crew today. Just begged Milk and Jay. Wanye was on our FaceTime until about a minute before, but now he has urgent business to attend to. Chalmers said he was going to do it and then didn't show up. Uh, But as always, no matter how many people are on the podcast... Jappa is always here. Our podcast brought to you by Jappa Machinery Group. They are a certified Cummins dealer. If you need rentals, sales, parts, service, visit jappamachinery.com or I like this. You can give them a call directly, 780-962-5272. Give them a follow on Twitter while you're at it as well. We're always tagging them in stuff at The Real Life Podcast. So go to The Real Life Twitter, follow us, and then scroll down, find Jappa, follow them. And now we bring in Jay and bagged milk. Uh, I'll start with you, Jay. How was your How was your weekend? Uh, weekend was great. Uh, obviously, Friday was uh, a little nasty outside, but we had one hell of a happy hour. That was a fucking blast. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, fun. No, that was a good no, one. No. I don't know what it was. It's just like you just feel the pixie dust uh, of of from that one. You know, and and. Uh, Clearly, uh, probably, if you look at the analytics, probably our, our most heavily viewed one so far, which is cool. And then Saturday went golfing with golfing with um, Mandy's, OM legend Mandy's, uh, sales guy Jared, and uh, Pint Rick, or 
Rick from the Pint, our ON radio star, Rick. Um, and yeah, and just had a great day. And what I really enjoyed the most about it was going on the patio after and having a pint of beer and a nice lunch. Just a normal thing to do. Just a normal thing to do. I haven't been able to do do for three months now or whatever it's been. And felt uh, just, I could feel the nostalgia. I'm like, why am I enjoying this so much? Uh, it was like, it lasted like 30 minutes, but it was amazing, which is making me more excited uh, for uh, being on the pine patio this Wednesday. It was like, I mean, even when I went to the lake last weekend, there was nothing overly special about a May long weekend at the lake. It's just kind of a normal thing to do. But like sitting around the fire, having beers, shooting the shit, it was exactly what I needed. So I kind of, I, I feel it coming through you just talking about sitting on a patio. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been yeah. going golfing a little too, and like it just feels so much different for something that I've done, you know, however many times in my life. Everything you're out and about doing now just like feels so much different. I still haven't brought myself to go to a restaurant, but with the pint opening up soon, I think that might be uh, it. Might be time for me to break my rule about eating out in public. Um, well, patios aren't bad. Patios aren't yeah. bad. It's just being with like, inside somewhere that kind of feels a little weird, but mm-hmm. patios are not bad. I wonder if there's going to be like a almost like a sense of more mindfulness and gratitude kind of sweeping through people as we get back to doing just normal things that we all took for granted for so, so long. Do you know what I mean? A million percent, a million percent. Yeah. And actually that's kind of interesting because you see all those like horror videos online of people like down in the States, like coughing on each other and like, you know, shouting angry mobs, all that kind of stuff. But then like for me in my everyday life, Like I went to the driving range yesterday and I had a very pleasant exchange and two minute conversation with the lady working the desk there. And it was like, you know what? In the past, I probably don't stop to have that conversation. I went for a a walk down by uh, the river in St. Albert here and I walked past three or four people who all, hi, how's it going? And it's like, you know what? Last year, if I would have gone on that walk, three or four people aren't, you know, saying hi as you walk by. So I do think there's almost as weird as it was to have this pandemic happen. And obviously it's still ongoing. I think it brought a little bit more of a sense of community to like the entire world sort of. Well, it's something that we're all going through together, right? There's, there's nobody that is not affected by what's going on in the world right now. And it's, it's interesting to kind of see the same thing. I mean, to your point, Tyler, when I walk my dog, Frank, a year ago, nobody says, hi, you might get a casual wave or whatever, but mm-hmm. now there's a lot of people just saying, Hey, how you doing? Kind of that kind of thing. It's really been interesting to watch. And it's nice. It's nice just to see people being friendly for no reason, which is something that maybe hasn't happened in the past. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's my observation. You've kind of been on the front line of it, Jay, with all, with all the charity stuff you've been doing with Oodle Noodle, ATB as well. Like there has been, I think a growing little sense of community. Oh no, there's definitely a, a strong sense of, uh, helping one another right now for sure. And, uh, even like, like help is, it can be a myriad of things. It could be having that two minute conversation with the lady at the driving range, right? Like, but all that stuff where like you want to do it, you know, the per, you know, both people on both sides of that exchange are enjoying it. And like, we're all just going to like reevaluating kind of like what life's all about and what's actually good about it. And, and what isn't, uh, it's kind of neat. It's kind of just like a reset, right? Where we just get appreciation for all the finer things that, you know, or just, you know, it used to be normal day-to-day things, but uh, that kind of got disrupted. 
and now you just got this like crazy appreciation for it and the sense of community is like one of the number one things like anything anything it's it's everyone is out to help everyone and that's why i think everyone wants to wave and say hi because that plays a big part in, in this and it's just uh it's it's crazy and heartwarming to see like yesterday uh and i don't know if this should be a segue into alley gate or my war in the alley or not but yesterday the stepankos god bless their heart uh showed up my house with a camera a trail camera to to put out so i can start uh documenting <laughs> the entire night's event so they they came they came by we uh we, i put out i put out the chairs in a safe distance from another one another you know we had a couple uh, a couple beers uh you know i shared them the kind of the full details of the the alley story but like that was just like that's just like something that's just like super neat they <laughs> they've heard the story they want to come help you know they came over and we had a beer in my backyard which like like if you would have like said that to me like 12 months ago I'm like what that's fucking crazy but like you know the sense of community is is stronger than ever but um i guess i'll just wheel right into the update of the alley you got it because uh people were asking uh we didn't get a chance to talk about it on thursday obviously we had sam gone on which ah. no offense to your back alley Oh, I'm still reeling from that. Oh, yeah, to answer, how was my weekend? I was reeling from the Gagne interview all weekend. A lot of good feedback, too. I don't know about you guys, but I was getting some DMs on the weekend. Uh, just kind of... I think people have this kind of view of Sam Gagne as he's the nicest person alive. And to hear him actually be the nicest person alive really made people happy. So that was kind of the vibe that I got. Everybody was just super excited by how nice he was. And... He was. He was every bit as nice. I mean, Tyler, we talked about it a little bit on ON Radio on Friday. The fact that he his his FaceTime froze, he bounced off. That would have been an easy way to bounce out of that interview. But he came back twice. Came back twice and finished up. He's just he is salt of the earth, Sam Gagne. Yeah, and like we had him on to talk about his Gagne burger, and you could tell that he was really passionate about that. But I really appreciated the way he opened up about a handful of other topics as well, talking about his Rexall Place memories. He really got going on his dad's business, which I thought was really cool. You know, you go into an interview like that, and you're not always expecting to learn something new about the person. You're more or less just expecting to hear about their experiences, but to hear about kind of, you know, how he and his dad grew up building rinks and all that and how much he knows about that process. I thought that was really sweet. And yeah, he was super open the whole time. He didn't give us those kind of like cliche-y 30-second answers. He was going in for... 45 seconds to a minute on these and actually like taking his time to give thoughtful responses. You could tell because we're doing it on FaceTime that he's he was engaged. So I thought that was really cool. You didn't get any of that. And maybe it's a little bit different because of the scenario we're in. But, you know, sometimes you see a pro athlete like out in public and you do get that little bit of an air of smugness from them. You didn't even get the slightest whiff of that smugness from Mr. Gagne. I don't even think smug is in his <laughs> orbit whatsoever. He just seemed like a really, really genuinely kind person. Yeah, unreal. Like I said, re- I'm reeling from it all weekend. So uh, super good. Uh, look forward to doing uh, more of those types of interviews. And hopefully our boy Gagne is coming back. Yeah, okay. that's what he kind of said towards the end of the interview. He said, I love everything there is with when it comes to being an oiler. And you never know what the future holds. And when he said that, I kind of stopped and you know did a sort of double take like hold up what did sam gagne just say if i'd ask you guys to put a percentage on it what is the percentage chance that you think sam gagne is going to be back as a player with the oilers next season 
That's a good answer. I can't top that. (laughs) I think it's really likely. Like, we've heard the rumblings enough. Oh, yeah, I think so. And you can tell just because he's a character guy, right? And you want to surround, you know, Mm -hmm. especially your young guys around guys like that. And he's got, like, he's still got fucking hands of gold. So he's he's useful in certain certain situations. So it's a no-brainer. And you could probably get him for a song because he has planted his roots here in Edmonton. I think he likes the whole lifestyle of being an oiler. Like, I think there's a lot of factors at play. Uh, I, I just, it, it just seems like a, a no brainer for both sides and one that's not going to impact the team uh, on, on a financial side too crazily. And it'll only benefit the room, which well, it, is what we need. It was most important. Well, it's invaluable too, because like you said, he loves Edmonton. He still lives here. He's here right now. And there's value in having a guy who's kind of been everywhere and done everything. And, you know, he's bounced around from multiple franchises to be here, to love the city, to know what it means to be an oiler, to care about being an oiler. And he's been doing it since he's 18 years old. The the funny thing about Sam Gagne is we're now seeing, what is he, he's like 30 or something. But at Mm -hmm. the same point, he's been around a thousand years. He's got so much experience in his career so far. And I think that he could just share so much of that with new guys, with existing guys. He's a great vet. I would love to see him back. You no men- question. You mentioned how long he's been around for you go and look at his uh, career NHL games played for a guy who's 30. He'll be turning 31 in August, but he's getting pretty close to a thousand NHL games. He's already at 844. So that's pretty much exactly two seasons of NHL hockey. Like, this guy could have had 1,000 games played by the age of 32 if he keeps trucking along. Like, I don't think there's very many players, A, that can say they've played 1,000 NHL games, and two, to do it before the age of, like, 35. Usually it's guys in, like, the twilights of their career that are hitting that, hitting that milestone. And he would never talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. 30 years old. Already to this point, courtesy of our friends at Puckpedia.com, career earnings of just under thirty-five million bucks. Whoop, whoop. Living good. He's building a lot of backdoor or backyard rinks with that money. Amen. Get it. Uh, <laughs> we got a good amount of topics to get to today. Of course, it's Monday, so we're taking listener questions. If you have questions for us for a future episode of the Real Life Podcast, our Twitter DMs are open, our Instagram DMs are open, my DMs are open, everyone's DMs are open, so you can just hit us up. In the DMs, we'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, I wanted to dig into the last dance today, but Chalmers is gone, so we're going to tease that table it for the next episode. Chalmers is back. Uh, before we get to the NHL resuming, though, Jay, is there more with the Alley story that we can share? You, you mentioned it with the yes. Stepankos there, but I, I want juicier details. Oh, yeah, well, it's and we got lost in the whole uh, awesomeness <laughs> of Sam Gagne, uh, which is totally awesome and understandable. So... After what well, I guess it was two weeks ago that uh, I shared the Alley War story, uh, and the amount of support that flooded in and just hilariousness that came in um, via the DMs it was hilarious. So uh, I think I, sh- I think I shared it on the Real Life Insta account, uh-huh. but someone screenshotted their neighborhood uh, Facebook group chat where this exact same thing is happening. It's about two neighborhoods over from where I live where they're encountering the same thing. Food's being dropped off. It's, it's attracting, well, it's obviously for the cats, but it's attracting coyotes. And 
they all they they, they think um, they think they've identified who it is, um, but in the sense of they don't have names or anything, but they know it's a lady that's going around and doing it. Uh, so they're also on the mission to put an end to this. And you know, our big thing <laughs> is, you know, we're we're running very basic surveillance technology at the moment. So at about we try we try to stay up late to about eleven thirty midnight. Uh, go check check the alley, see if any foods come back, and then we put the iPad out, and the iPad can record about four and a half. I think I think there's a limit. It's not the it's not the memory uh, of the iPad or the storage of the iPad. It's actually there's a limit to how long it can record. I think it's like four and a half hours. So you get four and a half hours, and then we review and see all the hilarity like we did that one night. So the interesting thing is talk about it, get a bunch of DMs. Uh, and talk to people about it, get a bunch of people that want to help, like the Pengal saying, hey, I've got a trail camera, do you want to borrow it? <laughs> um, and uh, all of a sudden, for the next few days, no food showing up. Ooh. We're still going through our normal surveillance thing. No food showing up, and I'm not I'm not saying that uh, this lady listens to the podcast. They might. Uh, and know that, she's, know that she's under fire. But I think, you know, the message is being sent because we're constantly cleaning it up. Um, you know, my big, my big thing is we're going to hit her in the wallet. If, if she wants to play this game, it's going to cost her a lot. Uh, and we clean up our whole, like, it's not just the post behind our house. It's every post in our alley. So it's about, I don't know, 400 yards of, of, uh, of alley. And there's six posts worth of food or six posts there. And there's the food in these posts. So we're cleaning it up. So it start it stopped showing up. We think we're looking good. And then what would it have been? Uh, well, we went, yeah, we went camping last weekend and there wasn't there. Yeah, so it wasn't, it was, it was more than a few days, about five days. So middle last week, like Wednesday, sure as shit. We go look out, even though we've been recording every night and saying the same fucking thing again, cats running around like crazy, packs of coyotes coming in and out. Now they're looking for the food. They're not eating the food. They're looking for the food that used to be there because habits have formed and, uh, sure as shit, get up in the morning and the fucking food back. Now, the good news is, um, or at least a, a, I'll take this as a good a good sign. Is it wasn't as much food as it used to be. Huh. We're rationing, we're portioning, yeah. ah. because I think they know it's it's going to be picked up right away, and uh, so we're sending a good message. But we're back in that rhythm where it's showing up again. So here's the next level. So now we've got the technology. We've got a trail camera. We just got to get it. We got to figure out how, where we're going to put it so it doesn't get uh, tampered with. And I think we're mentally going to put it out at night. And this thing reacts on motion. So you turn it on and it just sits there and it, it's, it looks camouflaged on the, uh, on, on, on the case of it. So we might put it in this bush that's right by the pole. And uh, it's, it's triggered by motion. And then, and then it just starts snapping photos until the motion stops. Uh, so we're going to set that up here right away and see what kind of photos we get. Cause for us, we want to know the time. When is this normally happening? Cause it's not happening between the hours of like 12 and four 30 when we're, we're recording this. So it's happening between four 30 and like eight. We've got an early yeah. riser at our hands here. Well, I think, I think they're getting smart, right? So, uh, that, you know, the, their mission is to get the food out there and our mission is to stop it. So, uh, all we want to do is confront this person and, you know, from a, from a place of, you know, peace and love, uh, and just kindly ask them to stop. Have you thought uh, about just of, putting up a sign on the pole? Yeah. Well, 
I just don't want to antagonize them because what if it's like, what if it's like, well, screw that. I'm not going to put like raw meat here and I'm going to yeah. attract the entire animal kingdom. And next thing you know, I got a grizzly bear in my backyard. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, like play it kind of strategic. There is like, if, if it gets nasty, there is definitely going to be a sign, but uh, the food keeps showing up. It's, we're not <laughs> the only people. There's other neighborhoods around us that, that talk about the, this infamous uh, alley food dumper, and uh, they're on a mission to, you know, screw their lives. But also for us, what it does is it attracts all these fucking neighborhood cats, and I'm a dog guy, so I will say fucking cats, to come and invites them to come and shit all over our lawn, shit in all of our fucking planter boxes, and just make our backyard smell like a litter box. And that's the real thing we want to solve. Well, and also, I mean, you don't want hot dog getting into that because who knows what people are putting down either, right? Well, that was the the big stuff, the original scare. Hot dog used to stay in our yard all the time, and then he sniffed out the food and bolted out of our yard. So now, now we can't. We have to tie him down. He can We can't let him run free in the yard anymore because now he's been he, he, he's 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 flooded. So now that he's done it once, he wants to do it all over again. Then also when he eats it. I don't know. I hear horrific stories of like, uh, and I, I don't know if it's just in Australia, but like where they like uh, people bait dogs where they like, like bad, like poisonous food and stuff to like make them sick uh, and whatnot. So like you see that, like that's also scary too. So um, yeah, it's uh, we just want to put it into this. Well, there was also just- a, that is a real concern. I think about that all the time when I take Frank to dog parks. Because there was a while ago, I think it was a couple of years ago in the city, people were doing exactly that in dog in dog parks, but they were putting like glass and shit in raw meat. I don't know what kind of person does this, uh, but it is something that you have to think about, unfortunately. Yeah. And I don't know about like, I don't know how a hot dog is, but like my dog, Frank, he will eat fucking anything. He is one of those dogs that's just like, oh, cool, pine cone, down it goes. Like, that's just the kind of dog he is. So yeah, I always am kind of stressed out especially when he's off leash just because you never know what people are doing people are weird i know that's that's the weirdest part so we just want to put it into this to have peace of mind and also to get these goddamn cats uh stop them from shitting all over the place well and and you know hungry coyotes can fuck shit up too let's let's not forget that as well and i mean not to give away where your place is to have them go to where you're living Obviously, they know something's up. Yeah, we're nowhere near any ravine or anything. Like the fact that they're out where they are is exactly that. They know there's food uh, around here to, to get, and then when there's not, what are they going to do then? Well, right? What what, what are they going to what are they going to hunt down then? And it's 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 the little dogs we got to worry about. The big dogs can manage themselves, but the little ones are, uh, you know, I've heard some horrific stories in the River Valley uh, at night with little does. Uh, We'll get into the details of it, but the animal kingdom is a is a is a real thing. I mean, survival of the fittest, and like a hungry coyote will fuck shit up. Yep, so I feel you, man. I look forward to seeing how this progresses. Yeah, me now too. that we've got some upgraded security, uh, you know, equipment. Yeah, there's a plan in place. Yeah. Mr. Pankos, again, we talked about salt of the earth people. They're coming through in the clutch. Oh, huge! Yeah, they want to see an input to this. So, like I said, we just want to confront and have them stop what they're doing and explain why it's not cool and then yeah I, i'll I'm, keep you posted i won't I, unless there's unless there's like any uh funny discoveries like like that first night we did the video where all that shit happened in the first <laughs> night 
I'm like, I had to share that. Like, it's been pretty chill since. Like, we'll see the coyotes come through. We'll see the cats running around. But no weird, like, guys in hazmat suits trying to corral cats or, or guys, uh, you know, going through my lawn with their iPhone uh, uh, camera light on trying to find the, <laughs> the dookie their dog just dropped, which I respect. But initially, when you see it, you're like, what the hell is happening? This is a this is like a naval uh, Navy SEALs attack team, but um, if yeah, when I get some good ones, I'll share it with you. And hopefully now with the trail cam, I can share these photos too. Yeah, I mean, what happens under the cover of darkness is a whole new scene in this city. So I'm looking forward to the updates. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep you posted. We'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it rolling along. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Let's tie in one of our show sponsors, the fine folks over at Oodle Noodle who have been doing some fine charity work as well. Jay, uh, do we have an update on uh, some of the work that Oodle Noodle has been doing? Yeah, so last week we supported uh, ABC Head Start. Uh, I haven't got the numbers in yet, but I think uh, I think it went very well, so super uh, appreciative of the, of the support for there. We also uh, made our regular scheduled food drop, uh, which, was, which was good. And so this week we are supporting... Um, Operation Friendship Senior Society, uh, which is a seniors drop in uh, and also uh, like support uh, group that helps um, seniors that are essentially living in poverty. So it provides them help with clothing, social activities, and food. So uh, they're they're getting ready to uh, they're getting ready to open up in mid June. So we're going to. We're supporting this week to give them some financial support to help them uh, kind of gear back up because when the pandemic hit, they had to throw everything out uh, just to be safe. All clothes, all things, everything had to go just because to preserve the health and safety of everyone. So they're starting from scratch. So we're launching a video uh, hopefully later today uh, with our, our friends there uh, and uh, to educate more about the good stuff they're doing. So. That's what Oodle Noodle's up to this week. And, you know, this can't happen without everyone's support. So we're extremely grateful for that. Uh, Jay, just, just along those lines, how do you, how do people, how can a normal everyday person like Tyler and myself help out? Uh, yes. So we're donating 10% of all in, well, now I can say in-store dine-in, which is weird to say, cause that's, that's very fresh and new in-store takeout and curbside uh, pickup orders uh, to our, our weekly charity partners. So, Pop on in a noodle noodle, get order to go, or if, if you feel comfortable, we've got, we'll have a few seats in each that's distanced and sanitized and all that in each restaurant, or just, um, you know, wheel in, call ahead and uh, pick it up and we'll take it out to your car. So uh, those are the, the, the ways to, to help uh, us uh, raise more uh, funds for these great charity partners we're working with. So, you know, like I said, we appreciate it. Things are... Uh... Very slowly starting to get back to normal. You mentioned dining and all that. The NHL. I, uh, If you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said it was 50-50 on this NHL season resuming. Now I'm up to the point where I want to say it's like 80-20 that I think the NHL is going to come back. The PA voted on a 24-team format, approved the 24-team format, or at least told the NHL that they're allowed to, or they will go forward with that if they return to play this year. Uh, it's something we dissected in depth on Oilers Nation Radio, but Jay, I wanted to hear your take on the 2014 tournament idea, hockey coming back, and the Oilers having to play the Blackhawks. Yeah, like it's, 
interesting. Like, it doesn't matter what they did. They weren't going to get it right. So, you know, and just kind of leave it at that. Like, there's the, like, for me, I just want hockey back. So, like, that's where I'm like, is, is it yes or a no to the format? It's yes, because I want hockey back. But now to kind of drill down into a little bit more, I think it's, where I think it's weird is, I feel like they're kind of taking us out of the division a bit. Like we play Chicago. Sure. I love being, I love uh, being in the position where we don't get a buy. I think that, that, that allows us to get our playoff game kind of refined, get our legs under us. Like I actually think that's an advantage, but it's just weird that we're playing Chicago. But what's the weirdest thing is that we move on to play Dallas. Like, shouldn't we be like moving on and playing like, I don't know, Calgary or like, well, Calgary should get a buy, but like, some, some someone in within our division or like they're, it, they're it, scrapping it, the division though it's going to be conference i know i know but like i'm thinking of like this is also like a marketable asset and what what's the most talked about game um this year it's the battle of alberta so like trying to restore some like playoff you know rivalry stuff within the division i think would be very important for the entertainment side but like that's just me being nitpicky um you know, I, like I said, I like being in a position where we don't get the buy. I think that's actually uh, going to be an advantage for most teams. Uh, and I know, like, I think it was Adam Killorn from Tampa Bay. That was his whole point, like, where he's upset with the format. I think there was two two team captains or that, that, that vote uh, that voted against it, and that Tampa was one of them, and that was his rationale, which I totally understand. Um, and that's why I'm happy we're on the other side of it. So. You know, I th- I think it's a little weird. It's and, and who knows? Like it's a, it's 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 risky uh, in the sense of you know, you're just asking Chicago to sh- like sh- like we don't know what like Chicago has a, a a better chance has a better chance now than they would have two months ago, just because you know the, I think the 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 playing fields get evened out a little bit more just because there is all that rust. Um, and people, oh yeah, you know, it's going to be so, some seriously sloppy hockey. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? I just, you know what? I can't wait. Um, Me neither. I'm pumped. What I'm actually interested in, and just like you, Tyler, I'm I'm now more like, I'm more like acting as if it's happening. Uh, and it, and and it's very interesting. I'm still like interesting to think like that about all the stuff, you know, that we need to do on our end to kind of prepare for that, uh, which is exciting, but I'm still kind of like walking before I run because, I'm the guy that pulled trigger on 500 playoff car flags in uh, in January, uh, and you know I have about five 489 of them uh, left uh, for obvious reasons. So you know I kind of want to walk before we run, but you know there's a lot of fun things that we can do on our end. So you know for me on the whole, I'm just happy that hockey's coming back. But if I drill down, obviously I'm going to find some some warts on it. But the the main thing is that that it's looking really good. I want to bring this to your attention then, because, I mean, they approved the 24 team return to play, and everyone's getting excited. So am I. Devin Dubnik, in an interview, wanted to sort of clarify a few things. He says, quote, that does not mean hockey's back. He said they voted on the 24 team format in the event that the NHL resumes. And Dubnik told The Athletic that he doesn't want to be a buzzkill, but he thinks it's important for everyone to understand the hurdles they still have to jump and says that the players have not agreed to things like the safety aspects, where they would play, the housing, how all the day-to-day life outside of the two and a half hours you're playing the game, how all that would work. So Dubnik kind of stepped up today and, and made it sound like there's a lot going on. And a question, I'll start by floating this to you first, Milk. 
I think there's going to be a scenario where we get a pretty big handful of players who the NHL comes back, says report to training camps on July 1 and July 14th, the game starts. I think we'll get players who go, I'm good. I think a guy like Dubnik was a young family, has made a lot of money, is on a team that's not a Stanley Cup contender. He might sit there and go, suspend me without pay. I don't care. And he won't put his family at risk for that. And he won't want to leave his family for a few months to play out these games. So what would your take be on a player who doesn't want to do this, who doesn't want to go through this entire process? That is going to be very, very interesting because I've thought about that too. Uh, I'm thinking like here in Edmonton, I'm thinking of a guy like Zach Cassian. He's got a, he's got, I don't know how old his baby is, but he's got a brand new baby in Vancouver. Bo Horvath's wife is pregnant currently. Are they going to have to, like, is he going to leave for the birth of his child, come back and have to quarantine again? There's a whole lot there. Like, even today, as I was reading through the NHL's 22-page memo that came out on uh, return to play and the, the the protocol that goes with it, there are so many points in there. It is very, very, very intricate and heavy and text-heavy. So even just reading it was tough, let alone being one of the people that has to leave a pers- leave your family for you know, months at a time to, to finish up the season and maybe have a chance to play at the playoffs. I think, I kind of think you're right that there are going to be some players and I'm thinking specifically, there's going to be some older guys that just, you know, they just don't want to do it, but they got young families and kids and all that kind of stuff. But they're also pro hockey players. And I don't think that you make the NHL just because you're talented alone. They want to play. They want to play, so I think the majority are going to want to come back. But the NHL and the PA are going to have to negotiate some kind of, okay, player X or Y doesn't want to play for reason whatever. They're going to have to come up with scenarios for that because, like you said, there's going to be guys that don't want to come back regardless of how it looks optically. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Because, again, like Dubnik said, just because they approved the 2014 thing or whatever and they released the return-to-play protocol today, there are still a lot of hurdles that need to get cleared. There's a lot of questions that need answers. Uh, I'm I'm thinking off the top of my head, draft order is an easy one to look at. Uh, What happens with contracts? Players that were supposed to have their contract expire on June 30th, well, if we come back in July... What does that mean for the Marcus Granlins of the world and the Mike Smiths of the world? Are those guys going to want to risk playing in the playoffs, maybe risk injury and miss out on the next contract that they have for next season? It's going to, there's, there's so many questions. I still believe that we're going to get back on the ice, but what that product looks like and who's actually playing is a completely different question altogether. That's a great point on Mike Smith. Cause can you imagine if they come back, Edmonton makes the second round of the playoffs. So we're in August. And Mike Smith like tears his MCL and is out for four to six months. And all of a sudden, his career is over in a time where he came back to play at a point where he's not even directly getting paid for those games. They're doing it basically to boost league revenue, boost hockey-related revenue, boost their revenue share, and boost the salary cap and make sure it doesn't like completely plummet for the next few years. But Jay, what would your take be on a player who uh, who doesn't return and and just says, you know what, screw it. I Like a Granlin, I'm not playing because I'm not going to be in the NHL next year anyways. Well, they've been paid. They've been paid for the games that didn't happen. It's like a prepaid expense. And so if if, if hockey has the ability to, be, to return, I think 
you know, the onus is on them to come back and honor the contract for which they were paid in complete and full for to come back and play. Now, I know there's going to be circumstantial things and Devin Duvnik's comments, you know, saying that this doesn't mean hockey's back. There's all this like these, but these are all necessary steps. Like, so like, that's a big win, you know, getting the vote, push that through now getting the policies put in place. So, uh, you know, around players coming back and training, these are all steps and it's not, we're not going to have, it's not going to be one, you know, solution is just going to be thrown on the table that addresses everything right off the bat. Things are going to be moving forward. So the fact that they're actually moving forward is very positive. So am I going to, am I going to fault a player for saying uh, a veteran player for not reporting? It depends. Um, you know, if you're the Minnesota wild and your team sucks uh, and you don't have a chance of making it sure. You know, I, I understand like, put safety in your in your health for your career first. But, you know, if you're if you're in the mix of things, um, especially since that contract's been, you know, honored in terms of the compensation side of it already, I think, you know, there is a some form of requirement to come and show up for your your teammates, the organization that, that, that that's been paying you and also the the fans that have supported you supported you throughout this season that, you know, are gearing up for a potential playoff run. So I'm not going to, like I said, like that, and this is just personal opinion uh, about this uh, because I would be, like if, if one of our players said, no, I'm not coming, I would be pissed and I would, I'd be going through some emotions and processing of resentment for that person without a shadow of a doubt. It's just like, again, we're teasing the last dance, Tyler. It's just like when Scotty Pippen sat out that last play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad look. Like what kind of message does that send your teammates? I get there's like there's a pandemic and all and people were making sacrifices during all this, but this is professional sports, right? Like you're make, getting paid millions and millions of dollars uh that, you know, that have all the pressure of a big business behind it, big businesses that paid uh, you know, that sponsored to get in involved in this business. Uh, you know, you've got millions of fans, you know, so much is riding on it. I think it's just like, you know what, like it's too much. It's going to be two months. It's going to be tough. If you're having a kid that's getting born, I'm sure your team owner is going to give you his private jet to go fucking see your, the birth of your child. One million percent. Like those things, those opportunities. And if you had to miss a game for the birth of your child, totally understandable. Um, and you know, I think, I think the infrastructure will be in place to address that. I so I'm not too concerned about the quarantine guidelines about traveling and all that. I think there there's going to be some um, exceptions for for sports, uh, and I think even like uh, for something like 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 a life event like that. Like I do think those mechanisms need to be in place to you know also give back to the players because they're making that sacrifice of coming. I think it's a two way street, right? I just don't think like yeah, just because you're a contract player, you have to do this and that's that. Like it's you got to make sure that you know we are being compassionate towards them. And if there is things like that, there are mechanisms in place to support that should those events happen um, and not, you know, force anyone to miss anything very important in their family life, uh, which, you know, also opens up a ton of questions and logistics and protocols and all this shit. But I, I think it's something, cause that's something the PA is going to request. And I, I think they're totally entitled to do so. So, yeah, a lot of lot of moving parts still. A uh, lot of eyes to dot and T's to cross. 
different scenarios to, you know, look through and create protocols around. So, uh, but you know, we're making those steps and that's the most important thing. It's not, it's not just like, Oh, up in the air. Oh, well, you know, we're going to try our best. Like things are getting voted on, things are moving forward. And that's why I'm very excited and feeling good that it's coming back. Well, and I also wonder too, I mean, we're recording this on May 25th. Who knows how much can change between now and July? You know what I mean? There could be so many things that change between now and then that it's going to be interesting to see where we're at once the league is able to get going. Also, I also wonder how much the league and the PA and the teams themselves are going to sell this to players as, but look at what this means in the grand scheme of things how much this is going to mean to the people to be able to watch sports to be able to have that escape from real life because it'd be really nice to be able to like i mean just look at yesterday look at the look at the brady manning golf thing everybody was watching it everybody was talking about it and despite it just being for fun really it meant something to people well, and, and that's the other element right there's 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 the humanitarian side and the mental health side of sports right like when you take away, especially in the middle of the season, especially when you're an Oilers fan and you're actually going to get back to the playoffs after the, you know, the turmoil last two seasons, like there's a lot, you know, there, it, it, it weighs heavy. Like it, 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 you know, a lot of that is our purpose, right? Like that gets us going, works, us, you know, makes us work harder. So, you know, we can spend money on maybe traveling to go see a game or buy a Jersey for the playoffs or <laughs> go out every other night to, uh, to watch the playoffs. Like, that's that's motivation for a lot of us and the fact that's been taken away you know it 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 it, it weighs on us a bit so there, there there is that aspect to it uh as well like there's an onus to to the fans that allow this big big enterprise to to exist uh you know that need to be re- re- not, well i i guess thought about i shouldn't say rewarded but but thought about so and, and just like i said the humanitarian side like in is a business like great opportunity to grow the game and get more awareness and more eyeballs on the game. Um, then it's a tremendous opportunity, especially if we can get to market, you know, maybe before the NBA or, or MLB, which I don't know if we will, but like it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity from that front as well. Chalmers, your take. Well, speaking of, <laughs> speaking about the, uh, the match this weekend with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, and Phil Mickelson, how about live sports to bet on, boys? Are we pumped about that? Rain pouring down. Got the word in the morning. I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Rain pouring in, 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 in wherever the hell Florida they were. And I was really bummed out about it. And then all of a sudden, they decide they're going to play in a torrential downpour and give everybody what they needed. It was a, the best Sunday of my life. I did my favorite my favorite pastime of nodding off on the couch to some Sunday golf. Welcome to the I don't podcast. Know what else we were talking about. I'm what a else, big fan of the casual drop-in. Uh, we were just talking <laughs> about the NHL potentially returning. Uh, one of the big items we wanted to get to this week, but we were going to save it because we thought you weren't joining the pod, the last <laughs> dance. The, the last dance, yeah. Um, I'm excited to break this thing down a little bit. We still got about, we got 10 minutes to do it here. And then we'll get to a couple of listener questions. I'll start with my take, and then we'll go around the horn on it. And I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself too much with this, but my take on it is it was entertaining TV. I was excited and very happy to watch it. But you can't call it a truly great documentary because it really wasn't. 
It was told from Michael Jordan's perspective. There were a lot of things that you kind of get the feel that they left out of this thing. You have guys like Horace Grant saying that if MJ didn't like what you said, you weren't in the dock or your quotes weren't in the dock. It just, it felt a lot like a Michael Jordan propaganda piece, which is great. I enjoyed it. As a guy who never got to watch Jordan, I learned a lot and I came away from it a better sports fan. And I would watch another documentary like that again. But at the end of the day, it wasn't as good as like an ESPN 30 for 30 or an E60 that truly gets to the root and the truth of something. That's my take on it. Anyone else? It was a hell of a commercial for Nike, too. Yeah, that too. Fuck. Well, yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. It was exactly my take. And I was like, replaying the stories and, and, and amplifying them for Hollywood, like, oh, he... He did, he, Brian Brian Russell said good game or, or, or Le Bradford Smith said good game and he took that and he put it in his back pocket and scored 54 like all that stuff I think was hyper uh, like exaggerated did I like watching that he may have liked it we don't know if he did or not Chalmers is cutting in cutting out doing all sorts of crazy things Chalmers are you back no oh, I just ruined the podcast eh? come in and just ruin it <laughs> Uh, you said yeah, you yeah. liked it. I did. I liked it, but I totally agree with everything you said. Like, it was a puff piece. John Stockton didn't want to be a part of it because he said, I don't want to be a part of a puff piece about Michael Jordan. They asked Carl, um, they asked uh, the mailman, what's his name? Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Ten times to be a part of this, and he said no. Ten times in two years. These guys knew what it was going to be. The problem where the director and the people funding the project are handcuffed is, they're not getting this story unless Michael says yeah. okay. And the only way Michael's saying okay is if it was exactly what we got. So would I have rather had nothing uh, and, you know, would I have rather had this or, you know, nothing? I guess I'd rather have this. Will we ever know the other stories? Well, they're fully trickling out. Like, even Horace Grant is saying, yeah, him saying on the airplane that I wasn't allowed to eat because I played bad, that's true. But there's a lot of times where he said shit like that to people and they did not back down and Michael did. And so, but, you know, I guess that's, that's, that's what you do to legends, I guess. You know, they get to they get to create the myth around them. Well, history is written by the winners, right? So yeah. that's right. And in this case, Michael Jordan, if he he had the last vote on what went in there. So did it's like you a, said. Did you just do an attorney general bar quote there? I don't know. You know, said that the Attorney General of the United States just said that the other week. He said, "Well, it's unbelievable." Okay, anyway, sorry to break topic. Go ahead. It's just like, but for me, I loved it. I loved it. I remember being a little kid in the late '90s, wearing my Pippin jersey, watching that second run of three championships, and it kind of brought me back there. I didn't know a bunch of those stories. I didn't know a bunch of the stuff that was in there. But like both Tyler and Chalmers said, it was like only from MJ's perspective, which was fine, I guess. It is what it is. It was a big it was a big commercial for Nike. It was a lot of fun. I know I'm gonna rewatch it again. And I know that every Monday I was hooked on Netflix for two episodes for five weeks in a row. So call it whatever you want. I was hooked right from the first episode. So they obviously did something right. I've got my list of lies and like the number one, like, there's a lot of lies told in that thing. And you, you can just tell because nobody backs them up um, outside of Jordan's camp. But 
Pizzagate is just the biggest fabricated story oh, yeah. in the world. It's just oh, really? Oh, my God. First of all, there's like two days after the documentary came out, the manager that was at the Pizza Hut that was across the street from the Marriott, the one that delivered the pizza that night, he called into a radio show and said, it was me. I knew it was going to a Bulls player. I didn't know who it was because it was late at night, and it was on a floor of the Marriott that I knew they were staying because we often deliver pizzas to the opposing teams that stay there. He said, I made the pizza myself, and me and the other guy in the store, we closed the store down, and both of us went to the hotel. And they allowed both of us to go up to the room. Why? I don't know. But And then he says he looked in. He, saw, he, he handed the pizza to Grover. Grover gave him a 20 said keep the change it was $15 pizza he gave Michael a wave Michael was sitting there smoking cigars and playing cards at a table and then he left and for them to corroborate a story where there was five guys first of all if you work in a hotel and you have opposing teams coming all the time you would be fired if you let five guys up there like nobody in their right mind would let five security guards would let five people up to a secure floor right so and then for him to go Oh, you know, I felt bad. I felt, I felt bad about the pizza. Something wasn't right about the pizza. And for him to be the only one that ate it. Well, apparently the story goes that Michael Jordan was pissed off because they all ate without him. And so well, right when the pizza got there, <laughs> he did this He did this thing where he went, pew, 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 and like pretend to spit all over the pizza and said, you fuckers aren't eating this. And that's what they say. And that's how they, you know, say that he was the only one that ate the pizza. There's a lot of bullshit I think in that story because there is people that said that he was caught like at 20 minutes away on the outskirts of Utah at a at a casino in a private room and that people saw him there and then there's this one interview where he says where that he was staying on the outskirts of Utah well this Marriott that he was apparently staying at that night was across the street like was right down the street from the arena but where they said that he would like to stay was about 20 minutes just outside of Utah at a resort and casino. And he would often go there at night. So I just think he had the fun. I think he drank way too much because he was playing cards late, late, late. And just for once, it didn't bounce back because he was notorious for drinking before games. And like, uh, there's a story where he went golfing with Jeremy Roenick. They, they drank 10 beers on the golf course. And JR was like, so you're telling me you're going to play a playoff game right now. And JR had taken some money off him and said, I'm putting all that money on the other team. And Michael Jordan said, look, I'll bet you all that money. I get 50 tonight. And he got 57 points. It took his money back. Like, it's clear the guy can play, you know, under severe circumstances. Well, maybe this was just a one time, you know, a couple too many cigars, a couple too many beers. And I really don't buy the poison pizza theory. That's all. I love it, but I love that flu game story though. It's like I was I was translating it to all right. The Oilers now have to do a play in versus Chicago. Jordan had the flu game. Connor can have the play in series. Don't take this from me, Chalmers. I know. So you, understand this. Why the fuck did Michael Jordan say anything about it? Why didn't he just say, "Yeah, I woke up with the flu." Everybody could have just said, "I woke up with the flu." The flu game sounds better than the pizza game. It could have just been the flu game and been this awesome story. He's the one that brought it up. There was speculation about it not actually being a flu and that it was food poisoning, but nobody had ever said anything, and it just kind of was like hearsay. But now he's put, like, there's radio shows that I listened to that were like, they want to do like this. <laughs> and a documentary just on this pizza game. It's hilarious. I think you could. 
I'd watch it. Uh, just it's also, good. also as a heads up, Pizzagate is uh, something completely different. Oh, no. <laughs> Pizzagate was like a, uh, it was an Alex Jones thing uh, that involved like uh, pedophilia and shit. So oh, like, we're talking about we're talking about the flu game for anybody who's crossing pizza gate. Oh my gate god! The flu I just game. Wikipedia this. Don't look up. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm... that's fucked. Okay, so we're moving on. We're the flu game. Uh, he 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 was he was here for the pre-chat for the show, and then I think like a, I don't know if his phone rang or a reminder went off. He's like. Oh shit! I gotta go beat this guy. Gotta go. <laughs> and he yeah, just dipped. We have real, we have real life. Hey boys, real life. That's so, I, yeah. I don't know. Jer- go ahead. I was just saying that's what I'm starting to like about this podcast is people just dipping and then also just joining in like you did at the 40 minute mark and just being like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> I love it. I was, I was gonna just, I was gonna just totally cut off bag milk when he brought up the match and just be like, "How good was that bag milk?" And be like, "What's that?" Because you guys' cameras are off, you can't tell yeah. that I joined. So. Um, anyways, JR, you never said what you thought in, in, in a, on the whole. I got, like, what did you think about the fact that they jumped back and forth and back and forth and half the time you didn't know what year and what series you were in? I was able to, you know, not to pop my own tires, I was able to follow the flow they were going with. And I kind of liked it because obviously they only had the footage from the one season, right? The, the 98, 97, 98 season. So I thought it was cool that they would bounce back and, you know, tell give more depth on certain players like going deeper on like you know scotty pippen's rise to the nba dennis rodman you know the 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 steve kerr story and just bouncing here and there i i kind of like that because it just gave me some like deeper context as to what that season meant or or what was going on um but yeah so i i I thought it was great i i'm sure yeah i I, i'm sure yeah it was very pro michael uh and they didn't do too much to try to tarnish him. Who do you but, who do you think the big winners of the documentary were? I thought it was Pippen. I thought Pippen was a huge winner in this thing. It made him like sure the the sitting out. I mean that one point seven seconds. I get that it doesn't make him look great. You know there could be another cop like the migraines didn't make him look great. But all in all, I thought he was portrayed well, and he's come out and said. But he absolutely despises the way that he was portrayed in this documentary. Well, and also the whole how he, he was uh, the holdout for uh, not coming back to play even that season where they won their final championship. Like he he kind of got made look to like to look bad uh, a little bit because of those three instances because they put a lot of like heavy gravitas to him to to make you kind of be like, whoa, Scotty, what's up, man? But like right, when, but then like, you had game then you had game six where he comes out and he plays. And you you can see that he's like struggling just to walk to get up yeah. and down the court, you know. And you, you know, and and guys are saying that he was every bit the warrior that Michael was, and that every bit the warrior anybody oh, yeah. else was, you know. And so, yeah, like, it's 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 it, it, it's what they didn't tell us, right? Like I got to say they they did these things to knock him down, so I can see why he'd be pissed off. And they didn't do too many like you know heroic things like they did with Michael, obviously. Uh, where you know we could get a better, well-rounded story about Pippen. Um, so, what do we think? What do we think of Steve Kerr being the big winner of the documentary? Then, I love the Steve Kerr yeah. story. I, yeah. love I did too. Yeah, I love- from the from the moment when they talked about uh, MJ punching him in the face, him going back, and them kind of building a mutual respect to that clip where 
Jordan saying, all right, be ready. I'm going to give you the ball. But he was kind of saying it under his breath. And Steve Kerr's all fired up in front of the camera. He's like, fucking right, buddy. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, I love that. And then his speech after hitting the shot when they were celebrating the championship where he's like, oh, I know how Michael's not really comfortable in those big clutch moments at the end of the game. So I had to step up. I love the Steve Kerr angle. It was so much fun. It was a heartbreaking moment when he asked him if you and Michael had ever talked to your dad. You know, two dads taken in such horrific ways way too early. And these two guys had that in common, something that they could bond over and never talk one single word about it to each other. That's yeah, probably, just a, yeah. probably just a mutual understanding. Who knows? To be honest, now, maybe, but my favorite part of the entire series was those clutch shots. Didn't matter who it was, whether it was Jordan, obviously he nailed a bunch of them, or Steve Kerr, Ku Coach. I loved all of those clutch shots. Just like when everything is on the line and you drain it and seeing everybody going bananas, it just makes me like turning things back to the Oilers, which we always do. It just makes me think about what it'll be like to watch Connor or Leon or Nuge or whatever score a huge goal in OT that they really need and have everybody go insane about it. Yeah, man. That, like, I think, so stoked yeah. for that. Me too. So I think I, I always often pondering what I would rather do if I had my one sports wish glory moment, whether I'd want to hit a walk-off home run or hit a last-minute shot in a basketball game. And I, 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 not, I, I always go back and forth because they both have their goods and bads, but I do believe that it would be the jumper at the end of the game, a buzzer beater to win a game. I like this question. Tyler, what would you pick? Uh, for me, as much as an OT winner would be sweet, it's a walk-off home run, man. Like if you can yeah, like it's great. down and the scenario I would want is like down by one in the bottom of the ninth with one man on and you hit the two run bomb to win the game. And what I like about the walk off dinger is you got that, you got that trip around the bases. That's just for you. Like, and then you get to round third and look at all your teammates at home play, throw the helmet up in the air. Like a walk off home run for me is the absolute best in terms of, <laughs> Like climactic, whatever a walk-off home run is, numero uno. Jay, uh, mine is a uh, Tuesday night game twenty-three on the schedule, empty netter to win by two. Uh, <laughs> Oilers over Columbus. Yep. Yep. Uh, Want to get an open net goal? Yeah, really exciting. Uh, uh, no, uh, fucking tough. They're, they all like, like obviously, I'm, I'm biased yeah, towards hockey. I, I thought but. about putting in a a shootout goal or like a penalty shot to win in overtime, but it just mm. it's yeah. unlikely, right? Like it's it's not something that could happen every single game the, where the other two could. A game-winning home run, I think, would be fucking unreal. Exactly for it, like because you got to hit such a bomb. You know, you've got time to celebrate it when it's in the air, like, 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 you know, like the the Batista bat flip moment, like those types of situations. Like, and then, and exactly that, that trip around the bases. I think, in terms of like, if I was a, if I was an athlete, uh, I think that would probably be the 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 craziest uh, of the all the different kind of options available. I would have to agree with you, Remchuk. How about now? This I'm thinking option? about it. Oh, you go, Bagnell. You go. Now that I'm thinking about it, though. The trip around the bases, the Joe Carter running around yeah. the bases is obviously legendary. 
no doubt. But I'm thinking about the once-in-a-lifetime photo. Think of some of those photos from when MJ hit those game-ending shots oh, where his yeah. hand is just in the air and everybody's got their hands up behind the, the basket. I might do the basketball last-minute shot just for the photo. When he holds his hand up like that in that last-minute shot, fuck, I don't remember who it's against, but it's a last-minute shot, and he stands there and holds the pose after it goes in. Oh, that picture is the best picture. Or the one where he's jumping up and throwing his arm out to the side with the fist bump. Yeah. When he, oh, yeah. I, I might change my mind. I might go to basketball last-minute winner, or last-second winner just for the photo. What were uh, you going to say, Jack? I was going to say one that we could all relate to maybe a little bit more, but not on this scale. How about being a golfer and nailing, like, a hard, hard putt on Sunday of a major. I think oh, that's yeah. on a, eighteen. On eighteen to win, like a twenty-five footer on eighteen. A twenty-five footer with some hard break, and like, yeah. imagine what would be going through your mind, like your stomach, as you watch that's, it start to break towards the hole. Nuts, nasty. That's that's definitely the most nerve-wracking one yeah. because that has the most amount of time before the actual mm-hmm. result that you have to think about what you're about to do. So I, uh, yeah, man, a putt that'd be. And That'd be crazy. At I don't know if I can point, get my emotions to a spot. <laughs> at some point in that break, you get that like, and I'm sure you guys have had it when you make a difficult putt in golf with no stakes, but you would get that point where you're like, fuck, that might go. Like, I think I hit that right. And then you watch it go the last half of the distance into the cup. That would be I sweet. Used to, I used to love um, watching Tiger Woods hit a big putt and he would kind of follow it towards the hole pointing oh, at it. I love that shit. His putt celebrations are no one, yeah, unreal. My buddy's or always written me. His, sorry, go ahead, Tyler. My buddy's always written me because I love doing that. When I putt it, and as soon as I see it starting to go in, I start walking towards the hole. I get roasted for it, but I think it's hilarious. Tiger, well, you, you better go in if you Masters. do it. Oh, that chip shot was unreal. Tiger's chip shot from the yeah. Masters, like that one was everything. It had everything he wanted. And it, it went on for so long. The ball sat on the lip of the cup for a half second or whatever it was. That was great TV. That was the best Nike ad ever. Yeah. 100%. It stopped right on the swoosh. Just like, like it was too perfect. Unbelievable. The last thing. Man, I'll that's s- a good question. The last thing I'll say with, uh, to bring it back to the Oilers and hockey a little, with overtime winners in the playoffs, as sweet as it would be for it to be a Connor or a Leon or a Nuge, I always feel that overtime winners are better. One, the greasier the goal. And two, the less known or less superstar player it is. Like that oh, David Deharnay. David Deharnay OT stepping in like that and just putting one through traffic. That's great. I love the I love the D-man letting go of a point shot that's just seeing eye and finds the bottom corner. Yeah. I like the puck that just squirts out to the third line left winger on the doorstep and he just has to tap it in. I always feel like those always get you like the best celebrations and the best moments when uh. it's just a no one. Yeah, fucking. I'm changing my answer. It's fucking. It's game seven playoff hockey, game winning goal in overtime. Fuck it. I mean, the Pisani OT winner in game five was everything. Do you know what I mean? I remember when they went down, they were shorthanded, and I was just like, oh, fuck. And then Pisani picks it up at the blue line and rips an absolute laser beam. There are some great photos. The video is still great. The call from Rod Phillips was fantastic. Everything about it was awesome. Chalmers, your mic is off. <laughs> uh, right now, because I like sports, I need sports so bad. I would take just being able to watch somebody hit a twenty in dark 
to get to 501 straight up. I don't even care. <laughs> you know what? I've said this to a lot of people. I want to travel to the UK and go to a big darts tournament. Because they so seem like nobody is having a better time than darts fans. You've got people dressed like giant fucking bananas. They're yelling about <laughs> 180s. Like, the whole thing is magic. Those guys are lunatics, and I have to go see darts, like, in the mix. <laughs> From an alcohol consumption perspective, you are drunk the second they're scanning your ticket to get into the hall or wherever they play it. Like, yeah. I'd imagine that's the level of hype and like pre-drinking that goes into a going into a darts game or match could be the drunkest fan sport around could 100 every now and then you'll get like one of those uh uh one of those clips circling twitter of a guy that hits the perfect nine shot sequence in darts and the place going bananas is one of my favorite things ever to watch the the announcers get fired up they're yelling mass i don't understand the guys are all fired up and then the other opponent or the opponent i should say he just kind of has to acknowledge that that was the perfect nine dart sequence and i love those i love it darts is the best darts is the best and they have songs like in soccer they start they start yeah. these chants on the side it's amazing and who'd have thought Right, darts. Like I remember playing darts a lot at the Legion when I was a younger when I was a younger bag of milk. But like <laughs> pro darts, man, they get into it. It well, also reminds me. Speaking of darts, I gotta dart out of here. I gotta go. See you, it was Travis. Nice to see you guys. I'm glad I could throw in a couple things and uh, talk about the last dance. Hell yeah! All right. Yeah. See you, buddy. Go. Okay, bye, boys. Uh, do you guys got any closing thoughts here? Because we. Uh, for a second there, we're at the 40-minute mark, and I was like, okay, we'll finish this up, take some listener questions, end it on a nice 55 one-hour pod, and then Chalmers comes in and delivers the goods. So uh, I'm nice and fired up now, but you guys got any closing takes? Yeah, Chalmers, tornado. Chalmers dropping out of the, the rafters like Sting, yeah. you know what I mean? Like getting lowered <laughs> into the ring. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That was um, great. Final thing for me is I the don't air bracket. Yes. This, this, has been, this has just been a heated... Heated uh, rivalry and 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 uh, match or whatever tournament uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bag Milk are gonna, and I are going to be working on uh, and doing a call to action to create a wild card bracket. So we launched the tournament. It's got thirty two shops in a in a four division uh, bracket. And what we want to do is we you know we we had to whittle it down to thirty two teams because we didn't have enough for sixty four. So some people feel like they got slighted. So we want to give everyone an opportunity who is shitting on us a chance to get their shop in on the wildcard bracket. So what the wildcard bracket is, it's going to be probably we'll do eight shops. We'll do a call to action to submit your your shop that wasn't uh, on the original bracket. From there, we'll, we'll pick eight based on the votes, always based on the votes uh, across all three platforms. And we'll do the wildcard bracket. So we'll run that kind of throughout uh, the next few weeks as we go through the other regional brackets. And from there, we will select, uh, well, not we will, uh, you will select the winner. Uh, and then that winner is going to go into a play-in. So this is like a weird page system uh, where they've got a chance. So they've got to do a play-in where they, they play the winner or go head-to-head against the winner of each region individually to see if they can dethrone one of the regional champs. And if they can, then they can slide into the final four. All right. It's going to be great. Like the, the passion of people and their favorite donor shops. Like I knew, 
I knew when we started doing this that people were going to be into the idea because donairs in Edmonton are synonymous. It's like you go out, you finish up your night with the donair. Everybody has their spot. Everybody has their uh, their sauce. Like even the debates about sauces and where's the best chain one in this part of the city or that part of the city has been great. But one thing I want to mention, Jay, is because we had some controversy last year or last yeah. week in the with the voting. Some people didn't know that I count up the votes on all three of our social platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So as an example, Ramsey's out of Westlock was coming in hot in the finale of the small town bracket. But the swing votes really came on Instagram. So there's not one area. Like just winning one platform doesn't win you the whole enchilada, if you will. Mm -hmm. You got to win total votes. So if you're passionate, like Jay's, Jay's really pushing mom's donor today. Mm -hmm. People got to vote on all three platforms. I'm monitoring it closely because I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to divulge and tell all the stories, uh, during, um, unless it's needed. So I launched with the photo, showed a little love. I keep checking in. She's mom's in a good place, but as this goes on, I'm going to be doing more and more to keep put pushing my, my shop through. And that's what it's all about. Passionate, man. Even just when we do Nation Happy Hours every Wednesday and Friday at 5.30 Mountain. Even just seeing people, toppings that they put on donairs. Uh, you mentioned uh, we've got our boy Angus. He, he's a tzatziki guy. Just so, watching the fights in the comment section is arguably one of my favorite things that has happened so far. The passion. Love the passion about a good donair. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, and, it's, it's a polarizing subject in Edmonton. And more importantly, Jay, I think you'll agree with this. The most important part about this is that we're seeing people getting out and trying different shops around the city. Uh, it's about supporting local. Yeah, we're having some fun. Yeah, we're arguing with each other. But having people go to different shops that they may not have ever been to before, that's what it's really all about. Oh, 100%. That's the, the whole antithesis of all this is getting behind something we love and supporting some, some local shops that... Uh, that need the help right now more than ever. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of love. I know I'm trying a bunch of new donair shops. I'm also learning a lot about it too. I get to go try a bunch of new ones. I got to go out to Fort Sass now and try city donair. Um, but uh, yeah, I know it's been fun and it's very engaging. Uh, so yeah, so, so vote, vote for God's sakes. And if you, if you see your shop down, don't be afraid to canvas some votes. There's, there's some good stories uh, about, how people have gotten together to get their shop through. And I think one was, I can't remember, was it fam Famous Against Ramsey's? Uh, famous Against, well, that was the final, yeah. So Famous or, ended up on top. But Famous so, versus City, that one was, a that one was, they went head to head. Well, there was, so what happened was Famous was down. I can't remember in which matchup, but Famous was down. And what happened is uh, a couple buddies in Edmonton uh, have a friend who's working up north uh, and on a camp. And they're like, hey, man, Famous is down. Like, we need to help. And this guy up there who loves Famous got, like, everyone in his camp to vote for Famous. And pushed it through and pushed it over the edge. But that's the effort. That's the effort we want to see. If you care, you're going to be willing to do these things to canvas these votes because you want to see your shop put through. So that's one of the one of the success stories uh, of, of, of the voting, of, of the bracket, about bringing a... Um, single-handedly bringing uh, a shop from behind and pushing them over the finish line as the victor. And no better uh, no better example than that, of course, of Twitter legend, the Burger Baron, 
<laughs> rallying his supporters and moving through in the chain bracket. A lot of people uh, were upset about it, but the Bergen, the, the Baron flexed, the uh, Baron flexed I, I, real big. I, so I, God willing, I can get moms to the final and I am worried about what's going to happen if mom has to face Burger Baron because I think I'm going to get doxxed. And <laughs> the Baron is nasty, but I'm ready for it. All right, good stuff, guys. Uh, before we wrap things up, need to give some love to all of our sponsors, of course, Oodle Noodle, Nation Beer, which is now in real Canadian liquor stores all across the city. Correct, Jay? Hell yeah. Uh, we keep updating which locations uh, as, as the deliveries arrive but I think we're in all the ones now in Edmonton and I know we're in a bunch in Calgary. People are sending us photos. So it's, uh, yeah. So just always stay tuned. We'll always let you know where it's coming, but yeah, we're, we're there and we're very grateful when you buy also people. Sorry. One last thing, Tyler on nation beer. If also you can go to liquor connect and search nation beer and it'll give you all your local liquor, liquor stores that are carrying it as well. So, uh, real Canadian superstore, super pumped on that one, but there are also a bunch of smaller independent liquor stores that are carrying it as well. So check out liquor connect. There's probably a spot in your area that's carrying it. I also teased the idea today of nation coffee and it looks like there's a lot of feedback, positive feedback there. So <laughs> stay tuned. We might, we might be, we might, we we might have the cure for nation beer. I hope got alcohol in it. Well, yeah, you can, you can add Bailey's to anything. I was going to say, you need to then come up with a nation version of Bailey's. Oh, that's that's going too far. Then we jump the shark. Okay. Good stuff. Big shout out to Jappa as well. Check them out. All your big machine needs from the folks at Jappa Machinery Group, certified Cummins dealer, all around good people, been doing some great stuff, getting some masks donated as well. Shout out to Jappa, shout out to 20 Minutes of Chris Chalmers, shout out to Jay and Bag Milk. Shout out to you for listening to the Real Life Podcast, episode 181 is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. 
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.